giant things just make me laugh. Well, well, I had my own giant experience this week. You see, we're, we're doing a birthday party coming up next weekend for a couple nephews and uh, my brother-in-law and a whole bunch of people. So, so we saw we, we're going to cook a lot of food, obviously, because that's how you do a birthday party. And as I saw this great deal at Costco on some meat. So I ordered. It was off Costco.com. And so I ordered this. This is 20 pounds of bone-in ribeye. I know. And when this thing arrived, all I could imagine was this. Okay? I practically expected my car to tip over on its side just putting it in. But... This is going to be good. I am looking forward to this. So seriously, I have never seen a piece of meat this large that was not like living and chewing grass. But I am looking forward to next weekend. Because giant things are awesome. Now you see, seeing something giant is one thing. But receiving something giant, that's a whole different issue. Think about, has anyone ever given you a really big gift? No, I'm not talking about like enough money for a movie and a popcorn, because that'd be like, what, 50 bucks probably? Okay, no, I'm not, I'm talking like buying you a car, or paying off your student loans, like buying you a house, something enormous. Think about that, because I think... I've never received anything like that, but I'm open to it if you're feeling so moved. Anybody? No? Okay. Catch me after service. But see, I think, I think it would be really hard to accept a gift that big. And my guess is it would be hard for you as well. Like little gifts, we can do that. But a gigantic gift, I think, would make us really uncomfortable. It certainly would make me very uncomfortable. And I think we have have a few possible responses to a gigantic, enormous gift. So one of them could be you just decline it. You'd be like, no, 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 I I couldn't accept that. Or maybe maybe you'd get into an Asian polite fight. Here, here you go, no, 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 I couldn't have it. No, no, here you go, here you go, no, 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 I couldn't have it. No, no, here you go. And that just keeps going for like a half an hour, and nobody wins, okay? Maybe that's what would happen with you. Um, Or maybe, maybe you would take it, but you would feel indebted to that person. Pretty much forever. Let, let, me, let me wash your car. Let me wash your clothes. Let me wash your hair. I'll do anything <laughs> because of you, like you just paid off 20 grand of student debt for me. So think about it. How would you feel? How would you respond with a really big gift? I think it's pretty natural to be uncomfortable with that. And I think that's part of why Easter can be challenging. To fully embrace Easter. To fully understand and wrap our heads around what happened on this Sunday. Because I think somewhere, deep down in every one of us, there's this idea that I don't really deserve it. I don't really deserve a gigantic gift. I don't really deserve someone to die for me. I mean, that's what we celebrate here on Easter, is that Jesus Christ died and was raised from the dead for you. 
and for me. That's a pretty big gift. And I think when we, if we try to fully wrap our heads around that, it can get a little overwhelming. And we can begin to feel like we don't really deserve it. So I think that's why it's really easy to make Easter about eggs and chocolates and bunnies and things like that. Now, don't get me wrong. I got nothing against eggs and chocolates and bunnies, okay? Especially chocolate bunny eggs. I'm all set. <laughs> but, but it's much easier to make Easter about that than to think about the gravity, the depth, and the size of what it means for Jesus to die for me him to die for you. But it's what we celebrate. It's what we talk about. Nonetheless, that is still Easter. That is still the reality of Easter. Now, someone dying for us is a pretty big gift. Now, that makes like a new car look like some chicken McNuggets. Don't get me wrong, I like me McNuggets, okay? But this idea of someone dying for you and then being raised again so that you could have new life, that's enormous. You see, Easter, better than anything else, shows us God's amazing love. This today, this shows us God's amazing love. So that's why we're kicking off a new series. You might have seen the posters as you walked in. We're kicking off a new series here called Boundless, God's Relentless Love, because that's what Easter is all about, is God's relentless love for you and for me. And we're going to talk about this. There's, there's this amazing passage in Romans that talks about this love, because you see, Everything, everything about Easter and everything about Jesus shows us God's love. Jesus came to earth because God loves you. Jesus died because God loves you. And Jesus was raised to new life because God loves you. All right, this, this passage in Romans, Romans 5, 6 through 8, it's just a little bit, there's a whole section uh, we're just going to look at a little bit of it today because it helps explain this love and what happened and why it happened and why did God do it. Okay. So, so let's start. Let, let's start. We're going to start with verse 6. You can follow along on the screen. If you brought your Bible, you can flip to it. You can open up your app and click to that. Here we go. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Okay, so first, we just have to pause there. So first, Easter happened at just the right time. Christ died exactly when he wanted to die. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't a failed revolution. It was exactly what God had orchestrated and what God had ordained since the beginning of time. Jesus died exactly when he was supposed to die according to the Father's will. So that's the first thing that Paul says here. 
Next, next he moves on. So what happened? What happened at this right time? Christ died for the ungodly. That's us. It's not them. We, we, we like to take all the, the negative things in life and call and say it's them, but no, no, no. Easter, we got to own it. The ungodly, that's us. Okay? When we were still powerless, that's us. That's why it's hard to accept God's boundless love. Because deep down, deep down, we all know the darkness of our soul. We all know the evil that lurks inside us. And we can try really hard not to let it out. But we all know. I know. Eventually, bad Greg always comes out. And we know that's true. Because we know the darkness in our heart. So we can try to believe that we're good, that we're right, that we're at least okay, but deep down we know. We, are no, we know we are ungodly people. And we also know if you've ever tried to control your darkness, you also know eventually it comes out. We are powerless. And we have to start there with Easter. Let's continue. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. So, so, who would you die for? Like, who, is, who would someone die for? Well, let's see, okay? Um, would you die for the Parkland shooter? Eh, probably not. How about for the Parkland survivors? Well, depending on your political leaning. Right? How about Tom Hanks? Everybody loves Tom Hanks. I mean, the guy's playing Mr. Rogers in an upcoming movie, for crying out loud. Like, everyone loves Tom Hanks. W would we die for Tom Hanks? Eh, probably not. <laughs> Think about it. And what Paul is saying here is that ultimately, we would be hard-pressed to die for a really good person. And we know we aren't really good people. So who on earth would die for us? Well, God answers that question, the next verse. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let that sink in for a moment. But God demonstrates his love for us, for you, for me, for you at your best and you at your worst. God demonstrates his love for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, there's a myth out there that says you've got to clean things up to go to God. Because that's kind of how we are with our parents. When you mess up, you want to either hide it or fix it before your parents find out. So we kind of treat God like that. So there's this belief that we've got to clean things up. Okay? This idea, oh, well, I, I, I've got to, got to get things together. I've got a few things in my life. Let me get those worked out, and then I can come to God. 
then I can meet him at church. But, but I, I got to fix a few things first. There's this myth that we've got to get cleaned up. We've got to fix our problems. No, no, that's not it. Okay? That's why Jesus died. He died because of our problems, not because we fixed them. Remember, we're powerless. He fixed what we can't. You don't come to God after you fixed your problems. You come to God with your problems. And he is the one that restores and repairs you to make you whole. But that's, that's not the ama most amazing thing. Jesus did this while we were still sinners. Think about that. Jesus Christ died on the cross knowing that we would disobey him knowing that we lived in rebellion against him, knowing that we tried to live our own way instead of God's way. It flips the script entirely of how we're used to thinking about behavior modification. That is not what God is about. God is about embracing a risen Savior of Jesus Christ in all of our messiness. That's Easter. So, so what's Paul saying in all of this? What's, what's Paul saying? Well, here it is. Here's the summary. Jesus' death and resurrection reveals our sin at its worst and God's love at its best. If you want to think about Easter, if you want to know what Easter is about, this is it. Jesus' death and resurrection reveals our sin at its worst and God's love at its best. Because remember, remember what Paul said about us? We're ungodly, sinners, powerless to do anything about it. That's a pretty rough state. That's a pretty rough state. But remember what he said about God. He is in complete control of time. He loves us. And he showed that love by Jesus dying for us. So what does this mean for us at Easter? What does this mean for you, your family, your life, your work? What does this mean? See, you run the risk of missing out on the incredible gift of Easter if we minimize either of these things. If we try to minimize our sin or we minimize God's love. See, you can minimize your own sinfulness with things like you believe that you're a good person. I'm fundamentally a good person. Or at least you say you're not that bad. Or maybe you defend your own sinful behavior and you say it's not sin. Or you believe that you can get better with hard work. If you just try harder, 
then you could get that addiction under control. Or you hide it. You hide it from everyone else and pretend that everything's okay. See, those are all ways we can minimize our sin. And when you minimize your sin, when you deny your own sinfulness, you rob Easter of Jesus' death. If you aren't sinful, he didn't need to die for your sin. If, I don't li- if I'm not in disobedience to God, if I am not wrong in my relationship with God, I don't need Jesus to help me make it right. So that's half of how we can kind of miss out on Easter. But there's another half. The other half is we minimize God's love. So how can we minimize God's love? Well, maybe you believe you have to earn it. God will love you as long as you're being a good person. You're doing this list and you're not doing this list. Then God will love you. Or maybe you believe, maybe you've stayed away from church for a while because you believe that there's no way that God could really love you after what you've done. And so you stay away from church, you stay away from Christians because deep down you're like, no, I know God couldn't love me. If he really knew what I've done, well, he does. And he does. Or you believe, maybe you believe that God is fundamentally judgmental, that God is critical. He's a punishing God, and he's not actually a loving God. Maybe you had experiences of parents or family members who were just that, who were punishing, who were harsh. And you project that up onto God and say, well, if God's father, I didn't really like my father, so that must be what God is like. And I don't really like that. Those are all ways we can minimize God's love. And we, when, we, when we do that, we rob Easter of the power for new life. The power for acceptance. The power for forgiveness. So are you robbing Easter Are you missing out on part of Easter because you're either minimizing your sinfulness or you're minimizing God's love for you? Because both of those you have to embrace fully. And then you've got Easter. So so this Easter, this Easter, every one of you has an opportunity to receive a gift. An enormous gift from God. And that is the forgiveness and new life that is found in Jesus Christ. Every one of you can accept that or reject it. To receive it or push it away. You see, if you don't act on this gift then the death of Jesus Christ and and his resurrection is wasted for you personally. It makes no difference in your life. 
See, you may see the gift, you may have heard the gift, you may even understand the gift, but if you don't receive the gift, it's wasted for you. Now, matter, no matter where you are on your spiritual journey, and in this room right now, we have, peop- we have lifelong Christians, people who grew up Christian, kind of wandered for a while, and are maybe coming back to God, learning what reconnecting with God is like. We have folks who, this is a new thing, being in church and, and hearing some guy talk about God and Jesus. We have Christians in here and non-Christians in here. All of you are on different places in your spiritual journey. But no matter where you are, today you have a gift you can receive. You have a gift of God's love in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This gift transforms your life. This gift makes you a child of God. This gift gives you eternal life. So I want to challenge you today to make a decision to receive this gift. To say yes to Jesus Christ, to say yes to what God did for you and for me over 2,000 years ago and receive from Him. We've got a couple more worship songs coming up in a little bit, and then we've got baptisms coming up after that. And baptisms are a time where, where people are publicly saying, I am receiving this gift. And we even had one person come and ask if they could get baptized. They asked me this morning. We talked a little bit. They believe in Jesus Christ. She's getting baptized. I know. And in a little bit, we've got 17 people from adults to youth to kids who are saying, who are going to stand up here and get all wet in front of all of you to say, I am receiving the gift of Jesus Christ here on Easter. Some have been lifelong Christians. Some are newer Christians. Some have come back to the faith after rejecting God and turning to shamanism. Some have known God for a long time. Some have known God for a little time. Some were baptized as infants or, or as kids, young kids with their parents. But now they want to do it as an adult because it's their choice and it's their faith. So what you're going to see here today is the witness, the living out of receiving that gift. And that is open to every one of you. So I implore you today, receive the gift that God is giving you. Even if you feel you don't deserve it, Because you know what? You don't. I don't. None of us do. And there's nothing we could do that could make us deserve it. That's how much God loves us. It's not because we deserve it, but it's because he loves us. So I'm going to close in a prayer here and then dismiss the baptism, folks. And, but we got a couple songs we're going to sing for you to sing before God. And maybe you've never made this decision 
to receive the gift of Jesus Christ. Today's the day to do that. And while you're singing or while you're listening to other people sing, you say, God, I receive you. And you pray that. And your life and your eternity changes forever. And others of you, you've been trying hard. You've been working at being good. But you, you just keep messing up. And something isn't clicking right. Maybe you're doing it all wrong. And your life is more about receiving from God than trying harder. And so for some of you, you need to say yes to Jesus again. And then tomorrow morning, you say yes to Jesus again. And the next morning, and you do that over and over again. So as we sing some songs here, this is your time to sing to God, to pray to God, to just be quiet and listen and receive from the River Life family today. Join me in prayer. God, we thank you that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. We don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. But you love us so much that you sent your one and only son so that whoever believes in him shall not die but have eternal life. God, so, so I pray. I pray eternal life for every person in this room. For those that know you and those that don't. Those that are living in your grace and your mercy and those that are not. In those living in obedience to you and those living in rebellion against you. I pray your love upon every person here. That, that you can open their hearts so that they can receive the gift that you want to give. I thank you so much God for your love for me and your love for every person here. It is amazing. And I thank you that there's nothing we can do that can make you love us more and nothing we can do that can make you love us less. So I pray all of this in the name of our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.